Hi, welcome to another episode of Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, Megan Tripp. Today with me is comics source writer Tim Stevens. Hey, Tim. Hey, how are you, Megan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be here with you today on this uh, wild movie. <laughs> yeah, wild is a good descriptor. <laughs> <laughs> I saw today that um, you were quoted in an article. Uh, yes, I was about uh, Russian Doll. Yeah, I was quoted at um, the Atlantic because I, uh, I wrote about how the loops in Russian Doll are sort of a literalization of the loops people get stuck into after they experience trauma. And uh, somebody picked it up, which was awesome. Yeah, that was uh, a cool surprise to see come across the internet. Yeah, today. especially for me, they didn't. <laughs> I didn't know about it at all. I just happened to look at. The hits on that particular article and they seemed to shoot up a week after i had written it and i followed it back to the link and i was like oh wow that's amazing that's very cool yeah thank you thanks for bringing it up <laughs> sure so speaking of uh netflix originals uh yes <laughs> we watched velvet buzzsaw we sure did <laughs> And uh, I looked at the IMDb page, and they said that um, Velvet Buzzsaw was, like, a sexual term. And I was like, I've literally never heard that. I don't know if I'm just sheltered or what. Wow. I didn't know that until just this moment. <laughs> now I am bizarrely intrigued. <laughs> yeah, apparently it means cunnilingus, but I've never heard it used before I've ever oh. heard this movie. <laughs> yeah, nor had I. I'm, I. Now I have to use it all the time, but I had never heard it until today. <laughs> Although with IMDb, you could pretty much put whatever you wanted. The same Wikipedia, like you may as well. That you know, is a just good throw point. Out something crazy on each IMDb page you visit. <laughs> yeah, just to see if they catch you. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Wow, that has really changed my view of this movie. Actually, it doesn't really change my view of this movie, but it does make me curious why they chose it. <laughs> now I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> so, I've already forgotten her name. I want to say Rhododendron, but that's not right. What's the character's name? Rhodora. Rhodora? Is that how you pronounce sure. it? It's close to Rhodendra, <laughs> but I think it's Rhodora Hayes. That's the Rene Russo character you're talking yeah. about? Yep. So... Back, I guess, in the 90s, that's, she had a, like, a punk rock uh, alt zine kind of thing. And it was called Velvet Buzzsaw. And that's why this movie is called Velvet Buzzsaw. Right. It's also, she has a tattoo on her back that comes into more importance later. That's a, there's a picture of a buzzsaw and says around it, Velvet Buzzsaw. It's from her, like, I guess... Uh, non-sellout days because we're supposed to believe now she's right. a sellout. Now she is an um, art representative. I don't know what you call those people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she runs an art gallery and she, I guess, sort of also represents artists at the same time it seems like. So she's sort yeah. of an agent at the same time and then showcases them at her gallery. Uh, you know, that, that big sellout world of, uh, of high art, you know, <laughs> people are just printing cash these days. <laughs> uh, so she's a major player. And then we also have Morph, uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal and he, um, mm -hmm. is an art critic and he has a very, 
distinct and specific way of talking about art or just talking in general yes in a in a movie filled with some pretty incredible names his which is morph van der Walt, has to be just the most magnificent <laughs> yeah i have um the impression that he came up with that name for himself when he started writing <laughs> I, I would not be shocked. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, deeply affected. And it's strange mm-hmm. because there's moments early on where we see him at parties and we see him at a gallery and he's talking to all different people. And almost everything he says just sounds so annoying and cliche. <laughs> like, I just had this yeah. really uh, transcendent experience at the beach and all this stuff and I'm like well you don't know this character maybe he's really authentically feeling that he's just saying something that is kind of rote (laughs) yeah he he speaks I mean a lot of dollar but his in particular is incredibly arch and um, I think we're supposed to think of him as like fake when we first meet him but he never breaks that way of speaking I mean for him everything is like you said transcendent or trash there is no in between and that includes at one point he's at a funeral and he can't help but critique the look of the funeral the coffin the colors they use the whole nine so he just seems like he's this all the time so love him or hate him i don't think it is an act i think that's just who he is (laughs) all the time in all right i mean yeah it may be something he consciously did at some point in his life but but by this point it is entirely who he is it's like Maybe you were kind of an annoying artsy kid when you were 13. Imagine that, but you never grew out of it. Mm-hmm. That's more. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, so we have him and we have Josefina or Josefina. Right, who works in the gallery for Rodara uh, and is like, at least from the way uh, Rene Rousseau's character talks, intended her to be her protege, but Rene Rousseau's character is so false that it's impossible to say if she's just doing that to make her feel guilty or that's an authentic disappointment on her part. Um, But yeah, Josefina is, um, like I said, works at the gallery and kind of wants to be Rene Rousseau at some point in the future. And then we also have Coco and her main function in the movie is to find dead bodies and to scream at them. Yes. I don't know if they meant that to be as funny as it was, but I got a tremendous kick out of her character because she is this she's an assistant to everybody <laughs> essentially. She gets passed around and she basically works until she finds either the person she's working for or someone <laughs> in the same office dead, screams and then moves on to the yeah, next person. <laughs> the interesting thing about this movie is it's very like glossy looking and that makes you want to like take it seriously and then morph will talk and then you'll be like oh this is meant to be kind of broad and goofy but then it doesn't quite like go all the way all the time Absolutely. Yeah, it's neither. It's never either yeah. fish nor fowl, as they say. It's always you've got one foot in sort of this high art, high camp kind of ground and this sort of ridiculous um, 
yeah, totally overblown dialogue and situations. And then at some point along the way, it also adds horror into the equation, and it really has no idea what kind of movie it is at that point. At least it felt that way to me. Yeah, so Josephina, she lives in an apartment building with this old man who's an artist. She's never met him before, but she sees uh, his dead body and calls uh, the police. I think she sees a cat and sees that there's art there, but doesn't take it. And then there's this exposition man in the lobby who says, we're going to destroy all that art. You may as well take it if you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she briefly sees the cat inside and she uses that as an excuse to actually go into the apartment. And um, she's immediately sort of, as is everyone from that point forward, um, attracted and repulsed by the art at the same time. And it sort of her especially but every character who encounters it after that gets it has this sort of hold on them where they're uh, sort of impossible to resist uh coveting it or, or taking it in her case literally yeah and how would you describe all the art that they show from this man uh it's very um I guess it's sort of an impressionistic take, uh, very dark colors, a lot of browns and, and deep reds. Um, I will say in this one aspect, the movie does a really good thing because there's nothing particularly terrifying about the art, but it is sort of otherworldly and disconcerting to look at. Um, so it, it does give you that feeling of uh, vaguely, dis you know, vaguely uncomfortable around it. Uh, I thought they did a nice job with that. I'm not sure. Did you notice anything else about? It? I'm I'm unfortunately not an art history person, so I, I my words kind of fail me. But I'm not sure if you noticed anything about it that I'm missing. My um, knowledge of art is basically based around the board game masterpiece, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of like uh, small children screaming, um, and mm -hmm. uh, out of focus. Some that don't have eyes. Um, so there's a, a darkness to them, in fact. And mm -hmm. like you said, there's a lot of dark colors. Um. Right. And even in the ones that are sort of not literally children screaming, there's something always just a little bit off. Like it'll be two parents and a child, but there's something about the way they're arranged in the frame that feels, I don't know, incorrect, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think in one uh, image, there's like too many arms in the mm -hmm. picture yep like the parents are holding on to a child but there's like extra arms mm -hmm. over um so there's like a lot of pieces and then later they say that there's like over a thousand pieces how many pieces do they say that they found? I think that yeah so the, it's certainly several hundred but then they create artificial scarcity they take a bunch of his pieces at least their plan is to take them and warehouse them to be quote unquote discovered later so they can increase the prices of the ones they already have on display. Um, and I guess the, it may be that he had over a thousand pieces because we learned fairly early on that he was in the process of destroying his art when he died. He was burning it in his um, fireplace and just didn't finish the job. So there, it's not entirely clear how many he managed to destroy before he died. Right. And then another person who works for the gallery is named Bryson. And he's basically annoying. And he's the first person to die. 
Yeah. He doesn't Bill- really have much of a function outside of that. Yeah, it's Billy Magnuson who, uh, I don't know if anybody saw Game Night from last year. Um, he was also in, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the movie. Um, Somebody Goes West. It's going to kill me. But in any case, he, he tends to play these sort of pretty boy ne'er-do-wells um, who are maybe not very smart, uh, but more crafty. Um, and here he's playing against type. He's this sort of handyman, schlubby kind of guy. Oh, it was called Ingrid Goes West. That's what it's called. Um, uh, this kind of schlubby guy who keeps referring himself as an artist, but there's no real indication that he is. Uh, you know, we never see any of his work or anything like that. But as you said, he's the first to die. And also, he he really reacts to the art. Like, he gets almost obsessive about it, which is kind of why he ends up dying. He's seeking to steal a couple of pieces that are going to the warehouse. Oh, is that why they're in the cab with him when he's driving the truck? C- correct. He took out one or two, one of which appears to be, I think it's a, a self-portrait of the artist. Um, and that starts to he starts to see it move and he gets distracted and then a whole bunch of other sort of supernatural stuff happens along the way um it's probably the biggest death i think like the most happens with it a lot of the other stuff is very quick um you know he gets he gets in an accident there's a fire there's a whole bunch of stuff that and then he finally gets is he the one who gets pulled into a mirror? No, he gets pulled into a painting. So the whole That's conceit of the um, movie is that the art is evil and like haunted in a way. And it was even when this man was alive and that's why he was destroying it. And it right. infects the art around it, but it never actually right. kills you directly, which I thought was strange. But um, yeah, the art, yeah, the art itself will never murder you, but it will make other art that you are near kill you, right. which is interesting. So he has it in the cab with him. He accidentally sets himself on fire because he wanted to um, smoke a cigarette, and then he mm-hmm. gets into a car accident, <laughs> and then he wants to yep. use the phone at the gas station that he's crashed near, and then there's a painting of a bunch of monkeys in this. <laughs> That's right, and they're playing cards or something. Like yeah. that. That's right. Yep. And um and then the monkeys reach out of the painting and grab him, and I don't know if they mm-hmm. strangle him to death or if they pull him into the painting with them. It kind of just cuts away. Right. Yeah, I can't remember if they ever find his body. They don't. And I thought they were, they would later show us the painting and he would be like a dead body in the painting. In that amongst them, right? Exactly. <laughs> but they don't yeah. Do that. Maybe there's a cut out there that does that. But yeah, you're right. They never find the body. So I guess they pulled him into the painting, but that never happens to anybody else. So I mean, we'll get to this as we go. But that is one of the problems with this movie is the rules insofar as they exist are very inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, so he's the first to die, but they don't, they don't, they never see a body. So they're like, maybe he hit his head and just wandered into the desert. And nobody really cares to go looking right. for him or anything. To up, and he, of course, never does because he's dead. Um, mm-hmm. And Hayes partially thinks he might have stolen right. her, and that's why he disappeared. Because at one point she makes a call and threatens him, which never gets followed up on. We know he's dead, so we don't really need to. But yeah, she sort of moves on to worry yeah. about other things apparently after that. Um, so Morph is dating a man called Ed, and is having an affair with Josefina and 
he likes to describe the exact color of everything. So what does he say? He says something like, you're between <laughs> almond and saddle brown, and you make me feel confused. <laughs> yes. It is his... Uh either his seduction talk or his dirty talk i'm not really sure where they are in that stage uh it's very hard to tell if they both know it's going to happen or what's going on at that moment yeah more bisexual he's in a relationship and she's just out of one but uh i guess they had a moment at a previous art show and because of that uh this is like their second encounter and he also alludes to even before he's with her that he's getting bored of his boyfriend so uh this begins their relationship as it was um yeah i i thought that was an odd line i was like i don't think that would work for me if someone was to exactly pinpoint what what paint colors i reminded them of. yeah i mean evidently it worked on her i guess um but that was again it's another example of how he is never not morph he is always yeah. on yeah um so he breaks up with Ed. He has a few phone call conversations with him to sort out Ed moving his stuff. We don't see this, but it comes up in a conversation between him and Josephina. She starts dating this guy called, what was it, Danver? It wasn't Danvers. But it was something like that. Uh, are you talking about Debbie Diggs' character? Um, I forget the actor's yeah. name but the guy he's the up-and-coming artist yeah. yeah it's damrish it's another damrish. one of these bizarre names yeah <laughs> of course damrish <laughs> um so now she's cheating on um morph with damrish and right that although that turns out to be my... pretty short-lived before they figure that one out so. yeah <laughs> that um was a pretty funny scene morph finds out that is it after well i guess that's after gretchen dies so i guess we should go over who gretchen is oh yeah all right <laughs> so uh gretchen is played by tony collette and she is she was a museum curator and then she leaves that to become uh essentially a buyer for a rich person or maybe several rich people i'm not sure so she goes to art shows and like curates their personal collections and she is super into uh, this guy, Dees, the, the artist that Josephina discovered. And more or less forces her former museum to display his work. Right? Isn't that how it goes down? They're like, maybe next year. And yeah. she basically browbeats them into like next week. And included amongst them is this sphere, which actually isn't his, but she arranges for them to put on display. And we saw it. In the first scene at the first art showing, it's the sphere that you reach into and every hole gives every person a different experience based on, I don't know what. Um, I think just each hole like is... Like a different cloth or something like that. Different yeah. cloth or like a little fan that blows on you. They don't really explain what it does, right. but it's all about this experiential thing and you get to choose which hole calls to mm -hmm. you. <laughs> and so that is in the middle of that display. And it's all set up, ready to go for the next morning. And she decides to give it a try before she goes home. Uh, and? Yeah, she's all alone. In the silliest death scene, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of my favorite. Yeah, no, I think that's my favorite death. 
Yes. And uh, then it, it's that classic thing that the next morning um, people come in and they think uh, it's just part of the show. So nobody picks up on the fact that it's just it's a real dead body until our good friend Coco shows up and notices it and screams and <laughs> drops her coffee. Yeah, I think at this point Coco was working for Rhoda or whatever her name is. <laughs> Whoever Russo's character is called. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she traded information She's... to be with uh, a competing um, art dealer, Don. And John John or John Don. Yeah, John Don Don. <laughs> Who she so she gets fired by uh, Hayes by Rene Russo's character because she lets in some guy who I guess is part of the art collective that Damrish belongs to, and Rene Russo's like it'll never happen again. You're fired. So she goes to John Don Don and tries to use the information she learned to get a job there. But when she shows up the next day to accept that job, he has already been killed by an art installation. Yeah, there was um, an art installation where it looks like the set of a play, and then you sit down and you watch a home video, and uh, the man from the home video manifests in real life and grabs a hold of this really long uh, scarf that John Don Don is wearing and chokes him, and people think it's a suicide. Yeah. Hangs him actually, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the first death she finds, but yeah. the second death overall, right? So she screams. Yeah, okay. And then the police come and then she starts working with um uh Gretchen and then Gretchen. she discovers <laughs> Gretchen yeah. is dead. And then uh when Morph right. dies she discovers him. <laughs> Correct. And she's actually working for Morph at that point as yeah. well. Um, because, you know, with Gretchen dead, she doesn't have a job and she has information about... It turns out... So, going all the way back to the beginning, at one point Gretchen approaches Morph and says, how about you let me know in advance the cool art or the new artists to watch for and I'll pay you. I'll give you a cut like you do with uh, Rodaira Hayes. And Morph gets all incensed, and she's like, oh, so she just knows? And it, what it turns out to be is that Rene Russo was paying off Jake Gyllenhaal's now ex-boyfriend to um, tell her what he was reviewing and how he was reviewing it. So Coco brings this information to Morph, and uh, Morph then hires her as assistant, because at this point he's convinced the art is supernatural. Um, he can't get anyone else to quite believe him, but he decides he's going to take it all down. He's going to put it in storage and he's going to give up on following the story. Yeah. Cause he was going to uh, be writing a book about Deesa's life. And so correct. he, I guess Rhoda is, I forget her name. Um, she hired a private investigator who found out some information. Um, and then that information got passed, uh, to Morph and then Morph was doing a little more investigation as well. Um, Correct. But he's not going to be doing that book anymore. Right. And between that and he starts to react to the art, like at one point he's having sex with um, Josephina and the art like moves and reaches for him and he freaks out. Uh, he can't perform anymore. And at that point he starts to feel like, uh, plus the information he gets from the private investigator, he starts to think it's not just in his head. It's not just a vision problem. 
uh, there's something very evil about the art, so he's decided he's going to abandon it. He's going to put it in storage, and he hires Coco to catalog it the next day, except he doesn't make it to the next day. Right. And at the point that he thinks, because... oh, this art is evil, um, Gretchen has died, uh, Jim... John Don Don has died, Bryson's gone missing, so he's like, these are all people who are connected right. to the art, so I think there's something going on here. And um, Right. And unbeknownst to him, across town in uh, a, where where is this story take place again? It's Los Angeles, right? Um, yeah, somewhere in Southern California. So, what would be something like South Central Los Angeles? Um, Josephina has gone to a bar with Domrish, and uh, he tells her that he's not going to sign with Rodera after all. Let's just call her Hayes. That's her last name. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hayes after all. And um, instead, he's going to stay with this collective. And she goes outside to call, a, or she was going to go just leave, but she's parked in, so she goes outside to call a tow company. And she gets killed at roughly the same time that um, Morph's getting killed across town. Right. And her death's kind of a, a neat idea. I'm not sure about the execution necessarily, but um, there's graffiti in the wall behind her that she doesn't pay any notice of. And then some point it morphs into like an actual gallery. So she goes inside to be warm and then the paint absorbs her and it's back to graffiti, but you can see the outline of her body, which is a neat idea. Like I said, I'm not sure hundred percent of the uh, execution of that, but it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah. That was probably one of the coolest images in the movie was watching the art drip down the walls and then up her body and then she doesn't mm -hmm. notice it and then she looks down and realizes that she's covered in pain right. and she and tries to rub it off she can't um so i didn't know did that mean that she had like a gold finger experience where she couldn't breathe or did she get pulled into the art like bryson did or it looked like, yeah, it looked like it might have been, a, it, if Bryson did indeed get pulled into the art of Bryson situation, because um, when it shows the wall again, A, it's turned back into a wall, it's just a graffiti on a wall again, and B, you can see the vague outline of her body in the middle of the artwork. Yeah. So, I think that's the idea. But it's sort of like, see, this is the problem. Some of the art is ironic, like... Her getting killed by that art is ironic because she thought it was low art and she wasn't paying attention to it until it was displayed in a gallery and then she went inside and then it killed her. Um, and some of the art just murders you, like the sphere. There's nothing ironic about it. It's just straight up killed her. So it's really hard to tell. Again, it's one of these things. There are no rules yeah. here. Um, is there anything left other than um, Hayes in her house? Yeah, so it's, yeah, Morph gets murdered by this robot art display uh, that we yeah. see in the first scene and not again the rest of the movie. Uh, I think he's called Hobo Man. Yeah. And he's played by, the actor that plays him is actually the actor who plays the Demogorgon from the first season of Strange uh, Stranger Things, oh. <laughs> which I thought was interesting. But he's this robot who's, I think he's sort of wearing like a ratty old um, Uncle Sam kind of costume. Yeah. And he walks on crutches, and he has, like, three different phrases he says. Um, and suddenly he shows up in the storage place where Morph is storing his art and chases him down. And I guess just sort of crushes him against a fence is what is implied. We don't really see exactly how it kills him, yeah. but that seems to be the implication. Yeah. And this is another example, for me at least, that 
there doesn't seem to be any internal rules because the whole deal is everyone who's being killed is corrupt in some way. And Morph seems to be the only one who actually cares about art. And he's the one who's giving up on this art. Like, he's putting it away, and he's the one who tried to break the news by writing an article about it. So it doesn't make sense that he'd be dead, but I guess anybody who touches it at that point gets to die. I don't 100% understand that. He said earlier that it was going to come after him and anyone else who profited off of Deese. So yeah, he I... made money, so he's <sighs> going to have to pay, and same with Josephina, and same with Hayes, and same... I guess Bison. so, and I guess Coco is therefore not indicted by that because she was their assistant, but never directly profited off, off it. I guess I'm not sure. <laughs> right, she, so that that she happens doesn't to stick morph. around though. She goes back to Michigan at the end. <laughs> That's true. She packs up and gets She's the like, hell out of no, town. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I found three dead bodies. No. <laughs> the art scene is not for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she packs up and gets the heck out of Dodge. But before that happens. Um, Hayes has a moment where she apparently believes. So she gets really, she's home alone and she thinks she hears something and she gets freaked out and she calls in movers to take out every piece of art from her house. Well, before the movers come, she does almost get killed by a piece of art. Oh, right. Yep. She goes after her cat and she has like this large bronze sculpture outside and it falls and almost crushes her. Yeah, it looks sort of like a cactus. Um, So she calls movers and they take out every piece of art, including this piece of art that looks like a woman sitting on the steps next to a cat and she has a cat and like two figures walking towards her so you kind of expect that that's her and that's what's going to happen but then they show up and they take every piece of art out of her house so you think she's safe um however then she sits on the steps and reenacts that picture and it turns out there's like some sort of plant outside that makes those two what look like figures in the painting and then we zoom in on her tattoo and that's art so that comes to life and i guess rips a hole straight through her is what it sort of implies before it cuts away yeah because it's a buzzsaw and so it just starts starts cutting into her flesh like it's a real buzzsaw uh and that is the end of everybody at that point and like you said we see uh coco leave and we also see so going all the way back to when uh, Bryson got in the car accident, one of the things the investigators say is, yeah, we looked for the art. We didn't find it. Uh, it's possible somebody stripped it out of the car. And we never follow up on that. And then we see a guy who's putting it up on a fence and just selling it like a street art guy. You know, he's just selling whatever he can get a hold of. And uh, this yuppie couple comes up and buys one of the pieces. So the implication is... I guess that guy is dead and those people are dead too? Or maybe they're not because they're not going to profit off that art. They're just going to display it. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, it's the the typical horror ending of like, the end. Right. Or is it? <laughs> yeah, it's like if at the end of the ring, actually I think they did this at the end of the ring, they go ahead and box up like 100 tapes and send them out to random people. That's sort of what it is. It's like the plague lives on. Yeah. Um, and then... Post-credits, we haven't even mentioned this character. There's another character, uh, John Malkovich, plays a character by the name of Piers, who's this former hotshot artist who got sober and can't create anymore. Um, And at one point, uh, Rene Russo, or Hayes, sends him up to her cabin somewhere on the beach to just get out of his head. Uh, And he disappears from the movie. But the last thing we see is him dancing on the beach, like 
drawing lines in the sand. And so apparently he was spared because he got out in time and never profited from that art, you know. Although he was deeply jealous of it. There's a scene where he looks at it and uh, actually he breaks his sobriety in the moment. He grabs a scotch off the uh, tray because he can't handle how much better this art is than his now. Oh, I totally miss that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's standing there with Damrish, who also gets obsessed with the art, but apparently survives as well, because again, maybe he didn't profit from it. Yeah, Damrish um, is funny, and... because he like he's obsessed with the art in the same way everyone else is, but he never gets freaked out by the fact that it moves. And I don't know if he just thinks no. that, oh, I'm high, that's why it's moving, it's not the art. The art isn't supernatural. That might just be it, because he is pretty toasted for most <laughs> yes, of the movie. Yes. At least he plays that character, yeah, yeah, yeah. is pretty toasted, so... Yeah, because there are long scenes of him just people characters will come up, stare at the art, and then leave, and he will be staring at it before they arrive and after they leave. Uh, so he has some sort of attraction to it, but yeah, like you said, he never seems worried about it or freaked out. So I don't know. The other thing it might be is they're quote unquote true artists, you know, that uh, everybody else is sort of profiting off other people's art. They don't create their own. But Damrish and Piers both create their own art, so maybe that's what saves them. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. There is one other because we don't see... that's supernatural, and it's where Mo- Morph is going to look at a um, like a a sound exhibit, and he hears oh, right. his own yep. voice talking about art, and feels really bad because it reminds him of the time that he basically did a hit job on this artist to make his girlfriend happy because uh, mm-hmm. he was talking about the artist that she used to date and no longer likes. And that artist right. got really mad and decided to drive really fast and got into an accident and now is in a coma. And it was like mm-hmm. a lot going yeah, on for it's... a character we literally never saw. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we never even see the result of that accident. We don't see a picture of this guy. Um, yeah, and I guess the idea is that it's the one bad review that Morph has ever given that he didn't mean. Yeah. So he alludes to the fact that he actually liked the art, but he said it to help out Josephina or to make her feel better. Um, and then, yeah, so he experiences all the negative things he wrote. He hears in his own voice in this whale sounds thing. Um, yeah. And he freaks out and takes off. And that might be the moment he decides that he's marked. Yeah, that's that. true. I think that's it. I think that might be what it is. <clears throat> so I think that's yeah, all the characters, and, uh, right? That's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> There's so many characters at the beginning of this movie. And I mean, it's so that you have enough people to kill throughout the movie. But um, right. I kind of wish that we had started with the funeral. Because I thought the funeral was actually pretty funny. Um, Morph is making fun of the color of the casket and mm-hmm. um Hayes sits at the front where friends and family are supposed to be and she an acquaintance of his and they're rivals in terms of business so she really should not be sitting there right someone comes up to her and is like could you move and she's like no we were friends <laughs> yeah and she's super dismissive of them and super yeah. rude about it right off of that it's yeah. a good capsule for how they're all terrible people <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah and uh it yeah it, i mean i think in some ways this is true the art world's very insular so you get that idea 
but it also seems like these are literally the only people in Los Angeles art scene. Yeah, like um, Morph is the like only person who does reviews of art in LA, I guess. <laughs> right. And he must be massively important because everyone's terrified of his reviews, which, you know, as someone who reviews movies, I don't think people give much of a damn what critics say about things. Um, but in particular, this one, uh, everybody's terrified. Everybody wants his good notices or, or lives in fear of his bad ones. There's two or three other characters we see. Like there's, um, I think he's another agent of a young artist. It might actually be the agent of Josephina's ex-boyfriend. Uh, who pops up a couple of times, uh, once to say, I hope you gave it a good review, and then at the funeral to say, I can't believe you gave that bad review, he's crushed. Um, and there's like one or two other people we see a couple of different times, but everybody else is, you know, the six characters we specifically talked about and show up at all. every party, are the only people at those parties. It's, it's very, very insular. Yeah. It, on the one hand, you don't want too many people. But on the other hand, it's strange right. to feel that he is the only person reviewing art and that his word is, like, worth so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no sense he even has a rival uh, critic. You know, there's rival art gallery owners. There's, you know, a couple of people who work in the museum. But he has nobody else, apparently, out there who's reviewing art in Los Angeles. Yeah. Did you feel any kinship to him as a reviewer? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I mean, I got a kick out of him as a character because he he is so affected in the way yeah, he talks. He's and, fun. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot of critics who have the body that Jake Gyllenhaal has. Um, I do like his uh, his technique, which is he apparently writes completely naked uh, by the pool uh, with his laptop on his lap. Uh, I got a kick out of that, but I didn't really feel a kinship about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you write movie reviews. No, not typically. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I really wish that they had given him a, a buddy. Like, he gets a lot of screen time, and he doesn't really do much for the plot. Like, Hayes is mm -hmm. responsible for what's going to go on with Deez's work. And right. Josephine is the one who finds the art. Mm -hmm. And well, he's just kind of along for the ride, but he's there a good amount of the time. And he's, like, a fun character, but... I feel like if you had another, like, kind of him to bounce off of, that would have been a lot more fun than him just kind of looking mm. pensive all the time. Yeah, and it's interesting. He he gets all the information second or third hand yeah. all the time, right? You know, he doesn't find out about Deez's dark past until the investigator finds out about it, and he finds out about that. He doesn't find out he was being used until Coco tells him. You know, it's he doesn't, these, over and over again, he's the second or yeah. third person to know something instead of the first. He doesn't know that uh, there's tissue in the paintings. He finds that out from right. the woman who, yep. who did analytics for the, the paintings. Right, and that's after Hayes is known for some time at that point, I think, yeah. is what we're led to believe. That she already got that report a while ago. Yeah, she wants to hide uh, that information. So, yeah, so it just happens... Uh, over and over again that he is and i don't know if that's just plot contrivance or that's supposed to be commentary on a critic that you don't experience anything directly you only experience it through others you know or you know you don't create you only judge what people create kind of thing i'm not sure or if it's just like i said a plot contrivance uh but it does make him for someone who 
the trailer implies is the main character and who gets first billing, it makes him an incredibly passive character. Yeah. And, you know, the time he gets most active is when he's trying to get rid of the art and that gets him killed. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> also, I didn't feel that this movie was terribly suspenseful. No. Um, I really wish, like, at the end... Once he and um, Hayes realize, okay, this art is evil and we need to mm-hmm. destroy it or try to be safe about the art, um, that we saw Hayes like try to destroy like millions of dollars worth of art or just her just like running around trying to cover the art or collect all the art or something. Instead, she's just sitting by herself and she has movers who come in and do that for right. her. Right, and the implication <laughs> is that the she waited till morning to do it. Like she took down the picture yeah. off the wall and turned it around backwards. But otherwise it seems like she just went to bed and then called him first thing, which is, yeah, that's not a lot of, uh, you know, fear there. I mean, she plays afraid, but uh, she wasn't that afraid if she could wait a day or, you know, 12 hours or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine being in the middle of a thriller movie and being like, I know there's an intruder in the house. Right. But I'm real tired. Yeah. So I'm going to go to bed <laughs> and it's, deal with this tomorrow. This will take care of itself in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And he'll take what he needs and he'll let himself out and it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the closest we get to suspense is with Hobo Man showing up in the hallway. And that pretty quickly devolves because he starts chasing uh, Morph. And at that point, you know, it's not safe, obviously. Um, but I mean, he didn't even like really try to get away from this guy. Right. There's who's no cat. Crutches. Yeah. There's like... no cat and mouse there. There's no like he doesn't hide anywhere, or you know he doesn't make it into the parking lot, and then the robot's in the back of his car. Like yeah, it just right. once the robot starts to chase him, it's over essentially. It's just yeah, we have to wait for him to. Catch it's him. like I don't know seven seconds worth of chase. Right. And then he's like, oh, this gate is locked. I I don't know how to get out. Yeah. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. End of morn, or morph. Yeah, I keep trying to make people's names into real names, <laughs> and they're, and they're not. not real names. <laughs> I mean, Josephina is, Gretchen is, Coco is kind of, Coco, but after yeah. that, not so much. <laughs> no, but like D's, the more important you are. Yeah, D's. Do we ever know if that's his first name or his last name? I think it's his last okay. name. So he it's might have a because... real first name. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because I saw Deese because I I put on the um what do you call it. Captions. Close captioning. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, you just took some of the letters out of the word deceased. Oh, I bet you're right. I bet that's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> he's dead. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be more of something in any one direction. I wanted it to be either sillier or scarier or like fully go all in on the like be like the player just be all about the sort of inclusive this rarely seen very incestuous world where everybody knows everybody and everybody's half friends with everybody but also hates them at the same time and it doesn't go in any of those directions particularly like it kind of dabbles in each of them but like the horror is not particularly horrifying um no or effective in scaring you like you said it's not particularly suspenseful um it's not it 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 is silly at times but it never feels as blown out silly as i'd like it to go 
And like I said, the art when it's in the art world, it maybe some of its most effective stuff, but it kind of abandons that whole motif once people start dying. Like it stops being worried about the machinations of the art world at that point. Yeah. So just doing yeah. too and much and not enough like of what? any of it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. This movie is what, like two hours and fifteen minutes or something? Yeah, it was long. I mean, it, it was long and it way too felt long. This long. movie should have been like, yeah, this movie should have been 80 minutes. Like I took, I don't know, two snack breaks and a wine <laughs> break. <laughs> I took so many breaks in this movie. Yeah. I mean, and the beginning in particular, that, that first art show, that goes on for a while, which I guess is supposed and to establish really, the characters, but there's no plot momentum in that at all. There's nothing. I wish they had started with the funeral and we didn't realize that John Don Don had not committed suicide and that he had a supernatural murder. And then we had a flashback and realized, oh my goodness, that was a supernatural murder. Right. And then maybe John Don Don or whatever his name is could have been the one who actually found the art. And then over time we realize, oh, he broke into that man's house. Mm-hmm. He didn't find it by a dumpster. Like, right. there's really no reason for the first, like, 40 minutes of this movie to even be in it. It doesn't yeah. really accomplish very much. No. Or, or, I mean, if you really insist that she Josephina has to be the one to, to find it, then it starts with her finding it. You know, that she finds it, she's late to work as a result. She, you know what I mean? Like, that, or she finds yeah. it, gets late to work as a result, and then we're off to the races. Because that first scene tells us everything we need to know about Hayes as well. She's incredibly yeah. mean she doesn't care that you found a dead body in your hallway um that kind of stuff so <laughs> that gets you where you're going too but it just does not yeah i think he really liked yeah. that opening scene because it really was like look how bizarre these people are look how you know <clears throat> self-interested they are but there's eight different ways the movie tells you that afterwards so you don't really need it all at once yeah and piers is such a nothing character I mean, I guess they needed artists if there's going to be a whole art world, but... Yeah, I mean, he he literally disappears about <laughs> John halfway through. He gets nothing to do. sent off. I mean, and it's not a bad John Malkovich performance, but you cut him out of the movie, no. you don't lose anything. You don't lose any of the story. No. I mean, you get a sense that Hayes is more of the real deal than John Dondon based on how John Dondon relates to peers. Mm-hmm. And how Hayes relates to Piers. Right. But, but, but he, we kind of get that without that scene anyways. Right. I mean, the way uh, I think it's Tom Sturge plays Don, John Dondon, you can tell he's sort of, he's not a serious art person. Like he, you know, right. he is kind of a hustler. Uh, and you could easily, you know, if you want Damrish there, you could easily have them sparring over him, the new artist, and have the same right. kind of effect. You know, you don't need another artist to make that work. And we need Dan Rush to be kind of hot and cold and maybe not using any, you know, agents. But I really expected that, like, little group of artists to do something. Right. They're just, like, slightly menacing and that's it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you could probably call cut Dan Rush without losing much. Unless yeah. you are supposed to believe that he has some connection to the art that protects him in a way that the others don't appreciate it. But like you said, that's a big step we had to make in this podcast that there's not a lot of evidence of besides the fact that he right. stares at the art longer than anybody else. <laughs> he also um, gets to be at Josefina's apartment 
and um when morph shows up to talk about gretchen right to josephina doesn't realize that um he's in the background was he making Dan himself Rich's... cereal is that what he's doing he's i think making himself eggs because he has this like large comical pepper grinder That's and he's right. just like hey man <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my favorite scene yeah. Well, I, just, I, I do like how Gilroy, the director, framed that because he is back there for a while before anyone notices he's there. Like, yeah. It seems including Josephine, like she forgot he was in the apartment. She's like, uh, <laughs> this is awkward. You should go. And he's like, what? And then he turns around and he's like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you could definitely cut the opening scene, definitely cut some of the characters and, and really not lose much by way of plot. No. Oh well. Um, it's too bad because I, I, you know, the last movie that Dan Gilroy made with Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee Russo, who happens to be his wife—not Gyllenhaal's, but Gilroy's—was um, Nightcrawler, which I really liked, and had that kind of grimy, makes you feel gross while watching it feel to it that I feel like this movie flirted with, but never really got to. And this just felt so much less focused and so much more eh, just not put together well, not structured well. Yeah. I think we're at the point where we can judge it in terms of how good it is and how mockable it is. So one to five stars to talk about how good it is and I guess paintings for how goofy it is. Works for me. Um, okay, so in terms of how good it is, gotta be honest, I gotta put it like a two. Really? Yeah. I feel bad doing that, but uh, <laughs> it's long. It, it's all messed up in its own message. Um, you know, I liked Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, which is probably why I don't lower uh, put it lower. Uh, I liked Natalia Dyer's Coco, but again, I can't decide if that's because I'm laughing at her or with her. So, yeah, I think I put it at two. I think I'm going to give it a four and a half. Whoa. Because I usually watch Hallmark movies, and this is so much better than that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's confidently made. There's a lot of interesting images throughout. There's really good acting. Mm-hmm. It's way too long for what it yeah. is. And it should be way goofier. Like, Agreed. Jake Gyllenhaal's character is a super goofy character. I mean, his name is literally and if you Morph. Had... <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you gave him a buddy and had them go back and forth with crazy uh, conversations throughout, right. and then they were just kind of side characters and they didn't have him almost as a main character, mm-hmm. and we just kind of followed Josefina or whoever finds the yep. art i would have been totally good with that yeah, i think that would make a huge difference uh, <clears throat> and our next one is how mockable is that right yeah all right well i personally thought it was incredibly mockable there's a lot to dig into here from <laughs> scene to scene so i would go i'm gonna go like four and a half paintings i think wow yeah. that's a pretty good score <laughs> <laughs> i mean Hall's voice alone you can get mileage out of that yeah <laughs> oh yeah what would you say uh i think i'm gonna go three right. um it's not as it's not enough of anything like we said yeah, before like i think if it was more arch 
then I would have gotten some of that enjoyment out of it more. Mm-hmm. Or even if it was like attempting to be arch or was attempting to be really serious about the art world and like makes you think, man, mm-hmm. then I think that would up the score too. But it's just kind of like, what if a horror movie, but in the art world, which is kind of cool to do something different. I've never seen a horror movie set in the art world before. Right? Yeah. So that's novel. <laughs> True. It's rare. Yeah. I think that that is the final verdict though, is that it's just, it's not enough of anything. Alas. Yeah. But uh, we now have a new uh, nickname for Conolingus, so not a total there you loss. Go. <laughs> Definitely going to just use that in polite company. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, thank you for watching this uh, strange movie and talking to me oh, about it. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I had a blast, and it was. Uh, I feel like we definitely got a lot more mileage out of this one. Uh, There's just a lot more gristle for us to tear into than uh, last time we got together. Although that one was fun, too. It was just not nearly as wild as this one was. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that had, like, a couple crazy things, mm-hmm. like a weird contraption. Yes, I forgot about the contraption. That's the right. <laughs> Lowering and raising people. How did it work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the contraption this time was the sphere. Yes, yes, which just is <laughs> which not. Which was my as... favorite thing in this movie. <laughs> oh, the sphere was awesome. I mean, the moment it showed up, you were like, oh, somebody's totally going to die in that thing. Um, <laughs> and I, I did appreciate that they went for, like, the fakest looking effect on that one. Like, her arm yeah. is just spurting blood afterwards, and it's so clear she has a pump in the other hand kind of thing. Uh, but I like that they leaned into it. And again, if they did more of that, that really could have been great. You know, if they yeah. decided, we're not going to be scary, we're going to be, like, over-the-top gory, um, you know, like, red paint kind of job, then that would have been great, too. But they just didn't make that kind of choice. Yeah. Oh, well. We gave it our best shot. So... <laughs> We did. <laughs> so where can people find you? Uh, well, as you noted at the beginning, um, Comicsverse, I am, I guess you could say I'm the movie critic over there. I also do various comics things for them. Um, my movie reviews are, uh, I guess the term, well, they're reprinted, I guess you could say, at ZetaRepublic.com as well. And uh, I still do work for Marvel.com mm, today as we're recording this, so it'll be sometime in the future for you. Uh, I did an interview with Jeremy Whitley, who in addition to being my daughter's favorite comic writer, wrote, uh, writes Unstoppable Wasp, and just did a storyline in which the character developed bipolar disorder, or not developed, but was revealed to have bipolar disorder. And since I'm a therapist, uh, we did a really in-depth interview about how he decided to do it, how he decided to, you know, what symptoms to highlight and things like that. And It's a piece I'm pretty proud of. So you can check that out there. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was quoted in an Atlantic article about the Russian uh, about the TV show Russian Doll from Netflix, and that article is called "Russian Doll Strikes the Word Crazy" uh, or "Eliminates the Word Crazy." I forget exactly what, but if you do "Russian Doll Crazy" and uh, the Atlantic, it'll pop up. And I think that is everything at the moment. It feels like enough. Okay. <laughs> well, are you afraid of any movies uh, killing you for saying that they're not that uh, good? If 
it was a possibility what happened right now. Uh, last year, I saw the movie Traffic, which is T-R-A-F-F-I-K. Um, and my headline for the movie was, holy hell, did I hate this movie. So uh, if I'm not dead <laughs> so yet, really I don't think it's going to happen. About your hate. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Wow, that's a movie I don't even know that I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things I was at the movie theater and I was like, oh, I don't know this movie. I'll go see it. Boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next month. You can follow the show on Twitter at NABM Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us at notanotherbadmoviepodcast.libson.com. And if you want to throw us a dime, you can go to Patreon and search for us there. Please go Thanks to Patreon. Listening. See you. Yay. Bye. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Tell a friend and, you know, review. That always helps. And we'll see you in a month. Bye. Bye.